We wrote an article that went viral and sparked a natural hair revolution. We are Elise and Aisha, moms to small humans, digital content creators, licensed hairstylists, brand agnostic, curl educators, and generally your snarky girlfriends with no filter. We're two women from the south side of Chicago taking the stupid out of natural hair. Okay, on this episode of Curls Disrupted, we're talking about... How salon ownership ain't really all that. Man, if I could tell myself something. (laughs) Tell my now self something beforehand. So let me tell you about my experience uh, Mm -hmm. or where I fall into this. So when I was in beauty school or when I decided to go to beauty school, I'm like, well, in my mind, I have a college degree. I should... Want to own should should want to own a salon. It just makes sense, like owning, yep. being an owner, being in charge. I guess I was it thinking about. It sounds cute. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> cute. Like it, especially when you have a college degree. Like there's a certain expectation that people have for you. It is not to it's not to downplay, downgrade, diminish anybody who doesn't have a college degree, but. There are certain things that are are put upon you when you go through that type of matriculation that you know more things or you have been exposed to more things or that you have a certain set of knowledge that could take you say, beyond somebody who does not have it. Yeah. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. No, not at all. It's just kind of, it's just society. (laughs) Um, You should want more. That's just kind of the idea of it, right? Ooh. Yeah, you should want more. Like, you should want more than just to be, because, like, even being a hairstylist, right, honestly, like, real talk, people do not look up to or respond favorably when you're in a room full of people who have different um, jobs or careers than you do. When you're like, oh, you're a hairstylist. Or it's like, oh, you're just a hairstylist. Oh, you're just a hairstylist. You just do hair? You just do. And (laughs) so that's why I never wanted to go to hair school because people didn't respect. However, on the flip side of not respecting them, they do, people do respect them because guess what? When y'all got fancy events coming up, y'all get married, y'all about to graduate. You got some pictures to take. You got a photo shoot. You got a first date. Yeah. Second day, third Guess day. what? Guess what? He made proposing me today. Guess what? Yeah, your hairstylist is really important then, isn't she? Yes, mm. she is. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there. But so salon ownership seemed attractive to me mm-hmm. because of the, the the path that I had taken in life, even though I am not doing anything that has anything to do with my degree. <laughs> I do, but in a super roundabout way. <laughs> <laughs> now, salon ownership was just kind of happened. It wasn't what, like, we were like, okay, so, you know, we're doing this thing. We should have a salon. It was never, it was just like, here's this thing that's happening. Here's an opportunity. No, it was just like, we're doing this. We're doing this. It was just like, we're doing this. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm involved. Because I got her into it. Right. I'm trust. Let me tell you this. I have a lot of trust uh, for Elise because... Everything we've done, um, well, I would say, every, yeah, everything that we've done, I had to trust her at every step and turn of this. Just mm-hmm. as she had to trust me. I take care of all of our money. Yes. I could run across the, you know what I'm saying, across the globe with all this money, <laughs> and she would be pissed, but it takes a lot of trust, though, mm-hmm. to, like, have somebody, like, have your business in mind and have your money in mind. So the fact that she could trust me with money and I could trust her with her uh, opinion, 
about business, mm-hmm. um, I took that and I ran with that. Yes, <laughs> and she ran with that. And I have, I have actually owned multiple salons, none of which have been not successful, but I, am, I practice non-attachment. And when something no longer fits my life, I don't feel a need to hold on to it. And I might for a little bit, but I always have a, a better landing spot happening for me when something is not for me. So I have let go of physical spaces. I have let go of people. I have let go of lots and lots of things over the past 10 years um, in building to where we are now. So um, we ended up here. coming into this space. Here. And um, it has been a it has been a very interesting two year journey, yeah. which we're actually going to do in another <laughs> podcast. Uh, but it's been a very interesting journey. But the things that we've learned <laughs> is that uh, salon ownership is not always the next logical step no, for hairstylists. It's not, especially it's- when we start thinking about we want to work less. Mm-hmm. And we want to make more. Mm-hmm. The way the economy is in the 2019 and how it's going to be in 2020 is not going to focus on physical spaces and people visiting physical spaces uh, that the rent is creeping up and the electricity bill is creeping up and the gas bill is creeping up and minimum wage in Chicago is going to be, what, like $12 very soon? I don't know. I, don't I know it's like sense. 10 or 11 now, and I think there's set for another increase, and then employment taxes are going to go up. And if, Because if you're running a salon, you're actually running a salon the way you should be running, and you are an owner, not a just a landlord to renters in your space, all of your expenses go up and up and up and up. And yes, you can raise your prices on your clients, and yes, you can reduce how much you pay your staff, but how long is that sustainable? Right, and so for us, or getting into the space meant that Elise does not live in Chicago. I am here. I have now become a salon manager. She has. So she's, <laughs> she's, the, she's the owner doing the high-level things. <laughs> she is also the manager doing the low-level things, too. So and... if, if you don't know the separation between the two of being a manager and being an owner, you need to be a <laughs> Man, so I'm doing both. And then I'm also running an online business um, and my chair. My own personal business. The separate from the actual running of the salon. Right. My business has nothing to do with salon. And so here I am in this space. Now, I didn't complain about it. Whatever needed to be done, got done, did it, shoveled snow, threw down uh, salt. (laughs) Mopped the floor. Mopped floor. Swept (laughs) down. Taked out garbage. You might as well have hired me at Enterprise. Washed cars. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I did all of that stuff. And... One of the things I realized about having a physical space is that you need to have some other money-generating things going on in the space. Revenue-generating activities, guys. Like, there's not, like, yes, you, the individual, is going to, you know what I'm saying, make money. What else is making money? Now, thank God. Let's let's talk, actually, before we even go there, let's talk about how services oftentimes aren't the primary driver of profit. So if you understand what profit is, profit is the money left over after you've paid all of your expenses out of the revenue. The general average profit out of a salon is about 5%. Mm. So out of all of your revenue, 
you literally have 5% sitting in your bank account after you have paid all of your staff, you've paid all of the bills, you have paid the rent, you have paid for all the products, supplies, miscellaneous, the water heater broke, you had to have the plumber come out, the AC decided it was going to start blowing cold air in the middle of wintertime in Chicago. All of these are real life situations that I've actually experienced. Um, as a salon owner, so you have all of these expenses. So at the end of the year, you're looking at maybe a 5% uh, profit margin. And that's when you have an established, busy salon that is working at 85% and above productivity of every single person on average in there. Um, and that's when you're working on employee basis. If you're working on a rental basis, you still have a salon, but you don't control the culture. And for some people, that's absolutely fine. We are not making a judgment on how your business model runs. But when you're working on that booth rental system, you have to make sure that you are charging your stylists enough booth rent every week or every month or however you do it in order to make sure that all expenses are covered and you have a profit margin mm -hmm. plus a savings margin for when that chair is not occupied and you are out there searching for renters. So about six months into being a salon owner slash salon manager, I realized I was like, you know, the, the salon is just a space. Now, how you use the space is going to make a difference in what your revenue looks like. And so when I started thinking of it in that, per, you know what I'm saying, thinking of it in that perspective, mm -hmm. then I started moving just a little bit differently. So mm -hmm. we, you know, I planned a couple of events. They went really well. We planned a couple of events together. They went really well. And so that catapulted like how I feel now about salon ownership, mm -hmm. which is unless you have, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, some other revenue generating ideas to use the space and for. And we don't mean retail. Yeah, nah. I mean, it's great to have retail. It does add some additional costs, but it's not going to like generate it's the type the jackpot. of. It's not the jackpot. It's not the jackpot. No, it's not. And I feel like now that I know what the jackpot is or what is really going to create that revenue stream, um, now that I know that, I'm like, it's just a space. It's just a space that is going to house whatever business model you desire, whatever business structure you desire, whatever people you desire to have in your space because there's no reason to have time wasters and energy sappers in there, clients yeah. and stylists alike. Nah. Um, there's no need to hold on to a space that's no longer working for your life or working for your, your business model and where you want to go. Um, there's no use in working with people that can no longer go into your next vision. Yeah. And so when we think about salon ownership in, in 2019, it's very different than what it even looked like 10 years ago. Because, again, that was a natural progression of what stylists did is you... You got you assisted, you got a chair, you built your clientele, and the next thing you did was build a salon. And so we did that because most of the time we wanted to teach people. We wanted to help people. We wanted to create a very specific environment that we wanted to work with and invite people into that. And what I see other stylists doing now who are opening salons, they're doing that. They're, they're really curating. Everything is curated. They're curating their clientele. They're curating the staff that either works for them or the renters that work with them. They're curating how that space is used and whether it's used for photo shoots, video shoots as we're using right now, um, community events, 
uh, professional events. Mm -hmm. So we're really maximizing the fact that we have this physical space to do everything that is modern inside of hair. And when the time has come for that space to no longer be there, it's much easier to release that space. Because I remember 15 years ago, having a $500,000 build-out, million-dollar build-out was a thing. And I looked at it, and it never made sense to me. It's like, why would I go into that much debt mm. to build out a space in which to teach people what I know? Or why would I do that to um, have people that worked around me that I liked? There are so many alternatives now that may not have existed 10, 15, 20 years ago in order to do that. There are rent-a-chair-by-a-day options. There are specific spaces that are dedicated to um, educators coming in and using those spaces. Um, there are multi-purpose salon spaces like we actually just used at um, mm -hmm. Hazel Lowe. So the salon we just did our Kinky class at um, in Alexandria, Virginia, um, the name of that salon is Hazel O. Mm -hmm. And it's such an amazing multi-purpose space and we love what she did with it. There's an entire stage and education area with beautiful light coming from windows. Oh my God, it was amazing. Then there's a styling area that can house her stylists that work for her but also it's very open and movable to teach classes and people can stand around those stations and learn her shampoo area it takes amazing pictures it does it was amazing just it was a pictures i was very inspired light and, back, light and backsplash so when we start imagining spaces and thinking about whether we do want to become salon owners and we'll talk about sweets a little later because sweets are. Do you want to talk about it in this one? Yeah, we can. We can. We'll, we'll talk about sweets yeah. in a minute. But when we're thinking about salon spaces, thinking about all the things that we can be doing in those spaces because the money, the profit, the pure profit is not coming from the actual space. The, the, the space. The profit mm -hmm. is not coming from. The, the services behind the chair, the retail that's taking up in the front, because right at that point, you may be reaching 10%. Maybe if you're running everything like the most well-oiled steam engine ship, you may be reaching 10%. What are the things that you can be doing within that physical space if you're already a salon owner or you're thinking about salon ownership that are 80 to 100% pure profit to make sure that you're able to sustain and maintain that space. And then even if you're not a salon owner right now, before you start to think that that is a natural next progression, start to think about, do I want to be responsible Listen, for all oh of this? Oh my God, the responsibility. If the alarm company calls me one more time <laughs> about something I'm supposed to be doing, I keep forgetting to do it, by the way. The alarm company has called on three separate occasions. I'm never at the salon when they call me like, hey, you need to do this one thing so we can check and see what it's doing. I have to do the taxes for the retail, um, making sure that, again, like, that the front is clear when there's snow and ice outside. Because liability, and people will sue you. Taking this is a litigious society. Taking the garbage out because you can't leave food in the trash can overnight. And it's oh, you have? you have critters. Right. So wiping the walls down. Which after... I don't do. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I do. So that's, that's what I do when I come here. I'm like, oh my God, I clean the walls, clean the floor. Because actually, we, we haven't talked about our, our structure here. And then oh, we'll yeah. talk about sweets in a minute. But we're actually a co-op. So there's well, four... supposed to be. 
Well, we're a co-op. <laughs> there are four of us, and equally we shoulder um, financial responsibilities. Um, semi-equally we shoulder uh, physical responsibilities, but oftentimes it does fall on Aisha because she is the one that's here um, the most. I don't live here, so I just I make sure that like if I need to send something by like Target. I do, or I just, when I'm here and I see that something's missing, I'll go to Target and get it. Um, but it's, it's a way that the four of us are, are working together where we're not necessarily responsible for other people. And it's a way we're responsible with, for ourselves while sharing um, everything that goes on with Salon. Yeah, because the discussion came up um, earlier in our journey of being a co-opted space. And... <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm you know, y'all know That's I don't me. know how to, I don't know any other way, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to be political here. <laughs> but uh, in our journey to be a call out to space, we talked about having other people come in. And so when we had the discussion, it was like, well, if somebody else comes in, if you bring another stylist to one of these chairs, that is now more responsibility. That's who's managing that. And I was like, you know what? I am not. Renter or employee, who's managing the experience for that person? Who's managing the space for that nope. person? Who is uh, taking care of things um, for that person? It was like none of nobody really wanted to take that responsibility. No, so that's how we, that we ended never up just us. Yeah, and so and then it became a thing. It's like, can I really want to work with anybody else? Like, I like y'all. I like working. I like work with you. I like and working with me. just you. So <laughs> it just kind of came a thing that the three of us uh, work together. And I know you guys are like the three. And I'll do the but math. We'll, but, we'll, but we'll talk about that on a later episode, guys. Because we're, we're here. This is actually, we were joking when we were stopped filming. But this is kind of our behind-the-scenes discussion. So we're just letting y'all into what, what, what goes on behind the scenes with stylists. For stylists and consumers. Yes. So let's talk sweets. We were on the lookout for a moment for a suite. And we started to seeing the pricing and the numbers for them. Can we talk about the price of the wine? Yes, we can talk about that. Because I was like, wait, wait, wait. You want what? So initially, it was wait, like, who? okay, 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 cool. But then I was like, wait, what's that price again? So it's like three seventy five times two. Person. So I wasn't at a calculator. I hadn't pulled my calculator I out. I was, and I calculated. So she pulls her calculator. I was like, 3000 I said, oh, no, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. For I'm 210 not. square feet. I cannot. $3,000 plus dollars. Nope. Where we are then chained to the chair... 24-7, just trying to clear $3,000 worth of rent. And, and because the, your, your phone bill, your internet, all that is rolled into it. But $3,000 worth of expenses spread against two different people. We essentially would be chained to our chairs working for that amount of rent in 210 square feet. I was in like, 210 no. square feet, we cannot do the alternative revenue generating activities that we would need to do in, in order, order to, to pay, pay that for rent. That space. <laughs> and I'm not sorry. saying that we could not pay it, but again, why yeah. do we want to dedicate that amount of coin? to a space that is not going to give us our return our, on our investment Absolutely. at the end. And so we're like, yeah, no. No, nah, that's all right. We're, we're going to come up with another plan um, to make some stuff happen for ourselves. I mean, it's not so much pressure for Elise. She's in Atlanta, so that's not a lot of pressure for her. And it's not really a lot of pressure for me. Mm -hmm. It just changes the way that I'll be doing business 
for some time. So we decided not to go with that. That was not the best option uh, for us to be able to generate, again, the kind of monies that we wanted to get. We didn't want to lose out the on that amount of money. The monies. And then that would actually, trying to generate the monies for it would change our lifestyles. Yeah, So absolutely. I would need to be in Chicago more often. Mm -hmm. Aisha would need to be in the salon more often mm -hmm. working. That would take time away from our families. That would take time away from our self-care, our personal lives, the time we have for friends. So again, when we talk about ATM, we have to realize is, are we willing to sacrifice absolutely. our attention and our time and our money to the degree that it takes? Just to have 210 square feet. Yes. From all of this. For 210. 210 is not even where we're filming right now. <laughs> Just from here up is bigger than 210. So when we thought we said that, I was like, that's we could do it, but do we want to do it? And do we have to? Do we have to? Oh, do we have to do it? We was like, we don't have to. We, we don't, don't have, have to. to do that. There are alternatives. So our goal for the next, uh, we're going to be doing some different things. And we'll talk about that in another episode. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm.